Amen. Well, this morning is a joy uh, because we get to, as a church, welcome uh, some new friends. And I want to give us a little context so we know why today is special. It's special for me. Uh, several weeks ago, I addressed us as a church and how we should be postured uh, to understand and respond within the cultural climate of turmoil in addressing social injustice. I shared my journey uh, into the streets as a suburban white man going into George, uh, George Washington Carver High School in the Ninth Ward in New Orleans, uh, hosting a mentoring club for four years. I got close enough to the streets to understand it's a world I didn't relate to. And I was, I was uh, hushed in a way to know that uh, the experience of these young men that I was interacting with was very, very different from anything that I had experienced or was experiencing. I'd like to read uh, a section of the introduction that I gave from the sermon a few weeks ago just to help with the context for today and our guests who understand why we're doing this. Uh, the events of our culture have brought about the reality of social injustice in the form of racism. These are concepts that need discussion and attention. And as white people, we need to listen to gain understanding and not be quick with a perspective on what's happening or why we think it may be counterproductive. We don't want to be dismissive. We want to be biblical. It reveals a, uh, uh, when, we're, when we're dismissive, it reveals a protection of our personal comforts rather than a biblical engagement on what's happening. There's good news and bad news. The good news is this. There will be a day when racism and prejudice and injustice and the marginalization of people in this world will come to an end. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. It won't be until Jesus returns and there's a new heavens and a new earth and they're established and they're established with God's people who act like God finally and we don't act selfishly. The brokenness, oppression, sorrow and anger of this world will be around until Jesus returns. But as the church, we are to be the signpost and lantern of the future reality of heavenly reconciliation and unity. Through the Holy Spirit's presence, we are to live toward one another in the church with the power of heaven itself. And we're to live toward those outside the church with the power of heaven itself. And we're to work toward justice within society as a sign of God's authority and righteousness and mercy as God, King of all glory. Unity is our goal to maintain. Not uniformity. We appreciate diversity amid our equality before God. As Christians, we look on the turmoil of our culture with understanding. We should understand why riots happen. Systemic injustice is woven throughout our culture. It's reached a boiling point. And we should also understand the demand of protesters. They long for heavenly power. But you can't get heavenly power through a human court system or human government. We should understand the true battle, the war between light and dark, good and evil, sin and righteousness that's in the heart of every man, every woman, every child, and the, the war of flesh and spirit in every believer. We all want freedom from the oppression of sin, so our feet are set on the rock of Christ. The church should live out the answer that it has. And that is redemption in the heart that affects true change, lasting change, eternal, uh, heavenly change. 
The church is to live out a salvation that attracts the lost to taste the joy of heaven. We also said that when the protests died down, and they did, here at least, the church needed to be there to be present and visible. In an effort to follow up on my own sermon, to apply my own sermon, I reached out to my friend, Pastor Ryan Perkins. Pastor Perkins leads the Love of Jesus ministry here in Covington, and he also teaches Bible over at North Lake Christian School, as I do, uh, which is, was my basis for contacting him. He and I have been able to connect through different ministry settings at school, and I knew that was there, and we, uh, we connected for coffee. Well, well, I drank some coffee. He just had some water because I like coffee. But uh, we met a few weeks back. We had a wonderful fellowship as brothers in Christ. And I know we'll be blessed today by his preaching because we're, we're hopeful for this gospel partnership. We are hopeful for our churches moving forward so we can have a context, one, as believers for understanding and discussion. But also we hope that this could be a blossoming friendship for the community that we live in to bring about uh, understanding amid discussion but in a true biblical context. So we're, we're grateful for this. I'm thankful uh, for Pastor Ryan coming to bring the word this morning. I know you'll be blessed. So please welcome him as he comes up to bring the word. to see your lovely, wonderful faces in the place in the house of God this morning, because truly, God is, I often struggle to find the right adjective to describe something so wonderful, but we'll just say for today, he's mighty, mighty good, and so for that, we thank God for the opportunity to stand and share his word. Um, so we honor him and uh, I honor my friend, Pastor Jeff, uh, for affording me this opportunity to stand and to share uh, the gospel. I don't ever count that lightly because I always say to myself, I'm literally a no one, a nobody. And uh, I'm grateful that the Lord saw fit to share his wonderful, wonderful gospel. Um, so this is great. I thank God for your hearing hearts. I thank God for your openness and your warmth when I came in. I got so many waves and highs and daps and handshakes. <laughs> so that's a fantastic thing. I felt like family. So we're, so we're family now, rather you like it or not. You're stuck with me, okay? So you're stuck with me. So we're so grateful to be here uh, this morning. Again, thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Christ Community Church family, for having us this morning. And uh, grateful for a portion of our church being with us this morning. And just real quickly, just want y'all to see my wife because she's beautiful. So if you will, wave your hand, baby. That's my wife right there. And so, uh, and, uh, so anyway, and uh, shout out to my man, Owen. <laughs> my man, Owen. All right. So we're grateful to, uh, to, to be here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you will, would you turn to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. I'll be reading from the King James Version. 
We're going to do one verse today. And that is verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. And it reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'd like to read it one more time, please. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We give your name the ultimate praise. We are so grateful for a God who saw our need and while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Undeserved, but we so, we so receive it and we're so grateful for it. And it's needed. And Father, I thank you that it's fresh and new every morning. Now, Father, as I began to preach and proclaim your word, I pray, God, that you would preach past every one of my limitations. That you would word my mouth and my heart that I'll be able to rightly divide your word. And Father, I also pray for the ground in which it will fall. That it be fertile soil. And that, Father, you will provide the increase whenever you so choose. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is entitled Head Issues. Head Issues. Head Issues. What I've learned in my long or brief, however you want to look at it, life, is that there will be some people in life, from all walks of life, that will flat out refuse to think differently. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, they will flat out refuse. And I said again, from all walks of life. They will refuse to think differently. But you know what's funny about that? No matter how much evidence you provide, You can provide fact upon fact, stat upon stat, science upon science, but more importantly, biblical truth upon biblical truth. And no matter how perfectly construed it's laid out, or in a preacher word, extrapolated, (laughs) it, 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 it doesn't matter because you're not going to convince them. Simply because they are convinced that they're right. They're convinced. I'm right, you're wrong. Get over it. But the first thing I want to say this morning is we got to be open. We got to be open. Can I give you an object lesson? Say, for instance, I was thirsty. And I'm like, oh, I'm so thirsty. So I pull out my cup. And I keep my mouth closed and try to drink. Seems kind of foolish, doesn't it? To say that I want to drink but close my mouth to the thing that could pour into my mouth. It seems kind of foolish to say I want to do better but not open to the reception of what I need to actually hear. But the Lord said today, we got to be open. We, society as a whole, has to be open 
And then we also have to be open, but we have to ask God to soften our little hearts. Because hard hearts set an enmity against God. And we have to be people who are willing to be open and have our hearts soften to receive. He told me to tell you, where there's no openness, there will never be a reception. You, you can't receive if there's not. That's a principle through our life. You can't hug me if your arms club, you a weird hug. <laughs> Think about that, right? So where there's no f- open up, there could be no fully embrace. So we have to be people. Now try, I'm sorry, have more for a second. Try that at home. Hug, hug without arms. <laughs> right? That would be kind of foolish, right? Like, like, like little cannonballs or something. So basically, <laughs> the point of all of this is for you to simply understand, you got to open up a little bit. You got to open up your arms, open up your heart, open up your thoughts, open up yourself. To be able to receive. But let me, let me caution you. Being open doesn't mean you have to change your mind. Okay, let me say it again. Because we think sometimes openness means I have to change my mind. But being open just simply means this. It allows you to hear someone else's mind. Openness, all it does is gives you the ability to listen. Doesn't mean you have to change what you believe, but could you at least just listen? Openness requires us to listen to someone else's minds other than our own. Someone else's thoughts other than our own. Amen? <laughs> My man Saul of Tarsus learned this the hard way. Let me tell you what I mean by that. He learned the hard way in the book of Acts. We see there he was fixed that Christians were infidels and heretics. He was, he was convinced in his heart because he was raised as a Jew. And he became a persecutor of the brethren because he was like, oh, no, 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 no. This, this little heretical heresy thing that we have going on right here. He was fixed that he was what? Right. He was fixed. And that, the, that those Christians were perverting the Jewish faith. Still with me? Even though, that's what kind of makes me, throws me a little off. Even though he had a first-hand account of a pretty compelling sermon. I'll keep going. He had a first-hand account of the sermon of Stephen. I mean, a first-hand account. Can you imagine? They're like, he like, but God is amazing. But can you imagine having a first-hand account of the glory of the gospel in your face? But he was fixed. And not only did he hear the compelling sermon, he also saw the stoning. Isn't that amazing? That you can hear the gospel and see a stoning and not be faced. I'll say it again. That's pretty compelling to me. That you can be so convinced in your thoughts, so convinced in your ways, that you can hear the sermon and then see death take place and not be moved. See, what I've come to learn today is, see, our upbringing, our religion, our lifestyle that isn't Christ-centered and focused, that is not Christ-centered and focused, won't even let you flinch at the death of another man. I'll say it again. If our our hearts and minds aren't Christ-centered, 
we would see death and say justified. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching Saul right here. Because, because he sat there. And how I know he said justified? Because the Bible says little Saul was just holding the coats. He was holding the coats of the stoners. Because he believed that that man deserved to die. Because of his upbringing. How he was trained. How he was raised. He deserved that. He deserved it. Upbringing and religion and lifestyle where Christ is the center is really dangerous. But Christ isn't the center. The focus, his love, his grace, his mercy. When it isn't the focus, we could become some very villain-like people. All of us. When we don't keep Christ at the center, it could get ugly real quick. I came to tell you I'm going to go quicker. I know I'm going to take my time a little slow, but we're going, we're going. I just want to make sure I articulate myself well. He told me to tell you that a believer should always be moved by the loss of life. A believer should always be moved by the loss of life over the letter of the law. Over what we think is right. At the end of the day, a believer cares about life. Why, why, why do we care about life? Because we know a life holds a soul. And as believers, we care about souls over our principles, over our thoughts, over our upbringings, over our feelings. When it all comes down to life or death, we need to care about life. A believer cares about life. Not their talking points, not how they feel, not how they think. Believers care about, I want to see people live. Because when they can live, they can hear and receive the God of Jesus Christ and be changed forever. We can all come together and worship under one sound, under one faith. Because Jesus, a believer cares about life. <laughs> but I said already, Paul was convinced that he knew the way. And so many people from all different walks of life think the very same thing. But the truth is, we often know so very little. The scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 10 verse 2. It says, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now we understand that, that talks about salvation. They were trying to do it by the legal ways. and disregard. But I think it also applies to this context here. So many people are passionate, but not according to understanding, not according to, it says it like this. The Lord told me to pray this prayer right now. Lord, help us not to be guilty of passionate ignorance. In Jesus' name, amen. Because so many times in life, we are guilty of being passionately ignorant. We're, we're emboldened by it, we're, but let us not be caught being passionately ignorant. It must be. According to knowledge, according to knowledge, according to what's been written, according to what's been said. Our feelings, our thoughts, what we feel doesn't matter. Passionate, according to knowledge of our Savior, of our Lord. And anything other than that, what does the Old Spice commercial says? It's just uncivilized. <laughs> because at the end of the day, this is all that matters. 
There will be some people like Saul. I don't want to say that I'll never get it. that will be harding to get it. I will only get it when they have the Damascus Road experience. I still believe in Damascus Road experience. Where you kind of headed down. I'm going to get them. And the Lord says, whoa, they're a killer. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. And he simply just says, boom. And he falls off his beast and now he's blind. Because the Lord will intervene if he needs to intervene. <laughs> Y'all believe that? Yes. Where he divinely steps in and humbles all of us. Right. See, I just personally prefer to go voluntarily. <laughs> I prefer not to have a domestic experience. I prefer for me to humble myself, to willingly submit myself to God's word, rather than having to be humbled down. But I mean, <laughs> take your pick, you know, free will, do your choice. And but, but for me... In my house, let's just go voluntary, okay? Okay, let's, let's just do it that way, okay? It makes sense to me that we do it that way, okay? <laughs> but teach us on, okay? I just come to learn, don't fight with God. Your arms are too short. Um, <laughs> let's, just, let's just do it that way, okay? So, so, he has this experience where he's humbled down and the scales begin to fall from his eyes. But there's a but. I've come this way to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't take some calamity or some disturbance in our life to get us to see the real thing. So today he wants us really quickly by a few little points to deal with head issues. Head issues. Because it's a matter of tweaking the head just slightly. And you'll see his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Head issues. Therefore, I've been challenged today really, really quickly. I'm almost done. Y'all keep praying with me like, oh, yeah, come on. All right. You smile at me a little few times, I'll go even faster. Smile. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, I believe the Lord has sent me here today to challenge us to go off-road in our thinking. Now, growing up, I used to love this. Give you an example real quickly. My dad and I used to go mud. Who, who likes mud? Anybody can put mud? All right, all right, all right. We used to go mud. Now, I remember we used to go in there, and the mud was like, boom. My dad said, son, my dad, son, he also said, son, yes, dad, son. All right, so he says, go ahead and drive. And I'm like, okay, cool. Probably about eight, nine, I'm driving. <laughs> but he says, son, make sure when you drive, stay in the ruts. What's a rut? It's an already like made path that somebody else has driven in. He said, because it keeps you safe to just stay in that rut right there. Don't go off road, but stay in the rut. So it was just pretty much doing what everybody else did. There was already trails right there. Just drive the trail. And then one day, I think I was about 11. And he says, son, I'm like, yes, dad. He says, it's time to go off road. Kid you not, I remember as 11 years old, I remember the, 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 the instant fear that hit my heart from leaving the rut to making a new path. I remember the anxiety and the fear that I felt. What if the bike turns over? What if I fall off? See, all of the what ifs, because we're so used to going down the same path 
that sometimes we are afraid to take a turn in a different direction. I believe that as people, we're so accustomed to the ruts of other people that we might be a little bit afraid to take a different path. So what's my point? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. If we're not going to be conformed to this world, number one, we must do this. We can't simply settle for the roots. We can't settle for the roots. What does that mean? We can't continue to settle for the major thoughts and ideologies of this world. We can't continue to think the same way, go the same way, to continue to think and process the very, very same way. Because it's very easy for us to continue the path that those who went before us took. But number one, he says, do not be conformed. Do not stay in the same rut. I'll put it this way. Don't be a go alone and get along person. You ever had that happen before? I know that's wrong, but I don't want to cause disruptions. Because one thing I know about this, for those who have been sealed with his Holy Spirit, he quickens us and challenges us and says, that ain't right, but I don't want to offend my friends or my buddies. So it's a call to go off road. Have you ever seen something in your life right now that you know the Holy Spirit says, that's not right. But what we tend to do is we've been taught, go alone and get alone. Because how I get along in this world is to assimilate, to be connected. But the Lord is saying, just don't stand there and not say anything. That's what the world does. It says, you don't tell on me, I don't tell on you. It's actually this term, don't snitch on me and I won't snitch on you. But the, the, the Bible looking for people and God for people that say, I'm not just going to go along and let my eyes be closed to injustice. I'm not just going to go along and act like I don't see wrong happening. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to what is wrong. You don't have to make it a black and white. Make it a gospel issue. I'm not going to turn my eyes to murder. I'm not going to turn my eyes to death. I'm not going to turn my eyes to what is literally wrong. That's a rut mentality. Just simply stay and just go along. To get along. I often wonder what made Adam do that. Oh, bro, you just gonna sit there? Why didn't you tackle her? <laughs> Why didn't you slap it out of her hand? Because what I'm trying to teach you today is when we let something just go along, we cause something for everybody else to deal with. What would have happened if Adam said, No! Don't kick, I'm just playing, okay? But, but if he says, you know what God says, Eve. You know what the word says. But he stands there and watches her eat. And then she says, hmm, that was good. How about you take some? But isn't that us so many times? We just go along to get along. The Lord says, it's time to get out of that rut. 
If your buddy's wrong, call him wrong. Can I show you? It's in scripture. David made his infidelitous moment. Kills Uriah. Nathan shows up. Uh, let me tell you a story. <laughs> he said, what would you do if that happened? That man is, he says, that's you, buddy. Are we afraid to call out our friends? Are we afraid? We might lose some friendships. If God calls us off the road, go there. How can you help any injustice? Be a vessel. Speak. Say something. But we'll say this. Not my business. Not my problem. Does not death anymore offend you? Offend us. And it's so easy to look over it because everyone else does. I hope y'all still love me. I love y'all. <laughs> hope that's the case because I'm your brother in Christ rather you like it. <laughs> Paul is saying to us in his text today, he says, I'm putting it in 2020 terms, but he says, don't think like the world. Don't ride the ruts of generational thoughts. It is time for us to start challenging some of our thoughts. We have been riding too long. Black, white, green, yellow, fat, tall, short, whatever you want to term you want to use. We have been riding the wave and the ruts of generational thoughts that have hindered. Because if they haven't been hindered, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And it's time to face it and talk about it. And deal with it. He says, don't be like the world. The world acts as if there's no problem. Because we all know this as believers, we should, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We need to fight the right fight. We should get mad at Satan. Get mad at the spirit of darkness and evil. But we got to get engaged. Let's take a little bit deeper. I want to ask you a few questions. Can you take a little deeper for a second? So we can determine what our thoughts are. Let's go a little bit deeper. I have a question. You don't have to speak it out loud, but I want you to speak it in your own thoughts. I'm going to say some words to you, and I want you to think about what comes to mind. You ready? Hmm. White man. What comes to mind? White man. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> but I want, you, I want you to think this through. White man. White woman. Black man. <laughs> Black woman. Asian man. Hispanic man, Republican, 
Democrat. <laughs> what comes to mind? <laughs> I want you to think, but now the next question I want to ask you. Satan. We usually be like, red horns, I'm going to get you. When I say those words, what comes to mind? Now, here's the follow-up question to that. Are those thoughts God thoughts? Or negative thoughts? You got to have time with yourself. When you see me, what comes to mind? If you didn't see me in this pulpit preaching God's gospel, and you saw this bearded, I'm going to say what I would call it, nappy head man. <laughs> if you saw me, what would be your thoughts? And then say, is that God's thoughts? Is it pure? Because that's all you need to know about what you think. And therein lies the issue. We don't, we don't have to do any, any other. Therein lies. It's what you see before they ever say. Before they ever move. Because the scripture says it like this. Don't look upon a man's height, his statue, or his countenance. Because God doesn't look like man looks. Man looks on the outer appearance, but God weighs the... I've also heard it say something like this. Don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but on the content of his character. But have how far I believe we've drifted from. How we should see so I'm telling you, you my brother, if you like it or not. But how far we have drifted from, and we've made these isolations, white man, black man, blah, blah, blah. Because it's our ruts. So challenge your thoughts. Because this is difficult simply because we run the risk of realizing we might have got it wrong. If you're ever willing to challenge what you think, what I think, what we think, you run the risk of. Paul Paul might have got it wrong. Great, they meant well. But great granddad, pastor might have got it wrong. Don't trust what I'm saying. Check it out for yourself. But you got to challenge the thought. Because the word declares, be not conformed, but be renewed, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then it says, once you do that, then you'll be able, I just put it blankly, to see clearly what God wants. But it's only until we deal with our head issues. We will never be able to see God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill. Can't see it. It's not possible. But this is what I know about these lovely, wonderful people that I'm talking to. Everyone I believe in this room wants to be in the will of God. Yes. I believe that. 
You're sitting in here. I believe that you want to be in the will of God. I know I do. And we want to be in the will of God. But the very thing that might be hindering that <laughs> is what we think about our neighbors. What we think about God and church. Because we spend so much time on good behavior. I don't curse. I don't lie. I don't, well, whatever. But it's really love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And your what? Neighbor. What do you think about your neighbor? What do you think about each other? Do you want to be in the will of God? Think differently. So I'll leave you with one story as I complete. He says, it's not that complex. Go off-roading your thinking. The issues that we're having between black and white people starts right here. Black folks say, y'all did that. White folks say, we ain't done nothing. And it's just like, can we all take a step back and be like, who put this in our head? Because if I say white person did it, I missed it. If you say black person did it, we missed it because it is an enemy issue. And if we continue to make it a black and white, Republican, Democrat, we keep politicizing things, it's not the issue. And that's why it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger until we take the matter where it actually belongs. It belongs in the kingdom of God. It belongs to be fought on our knees. It belongs to be fought in our faith. It belongs to be fought in the word of God, not anywhere else. There I say this, and I hope it doesn't offend. But we all need to take a step back and realize that as much as I love my country in America, and I do, the U.S. Constitution is not our Bible. We will not lift up the country before God. Because that's a problem too. It's a problem. We, the Bible says, if I be lifted up. The problem is we're lifting so many science, um, our country, our this, ah, lift up Jesus. When you lift up Jesus, he will draw all men unto himself. There are so many people that I see passionate that are Christians about everything but Jesus. I, you, you see the Facebook debates. They fuss about everything. I mean, they I mean, long poem. Like, how do you have time to read that and write that? What is wrong with you? But when it comes to teaching about Jesus, um, um, well, God bless you. <laughs> but what? But it goes to say that He's calling us back to lifting Him up. He's not asking me as a black man to lift up my race over anybody else's race. That is, that is foolishness. He ain't calling a white man to the over anybody else. That's foolishness. That's racism. That's separation. That's partiality. And my God has no respect to a person. So if you love being black more than being a Christian, you got a problem. If you love being white more than being a Christian, you got a problem. That's just the facts of matters of life. If you love being an American over being Jesus, a Jesus follower, that's a problem. So, final story. Sorry for my rant. Not really. Okay. <laughs> so lastly, this is my fear. We were preaching a couple years back, and this will forever be etched in my memory and my heart. 
I mean, I, I, was, I guess it was a good sermon. I remember sweating. Right? <laughs> it was a real good sermon, I guess, because the lady came and she said, oh, my God, that was amazing. You spoke some great things to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> she was going like, to like run or something. It was amazing, right? But then the, the, the mood changed. She's like, but I need to talk to you. Every pastor hates that sound. Pastor, can we talk? No, we can't, okay? No. <laughs> the only thing worse than that is when your wife says, honey, can we talk? <laughs> All the men said amen, all right? <laughs> I'm just, see, we can laugh at each other. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. So, so, she says, everything you preach was true. And it touched me in my heart. It was good. But she's like, but then there's a but. You know, as a but comes, it's over with. But I've gotten to an age now where I'm unwilling to reinvent myself. What she just told me was, I heard the truth. The truth hit me in the face and in the heart. But no thank you. And then she says, and furthermore, I'm resigning from the church. Because there are some people that are so hell-bent on, I'm not going to change, that they're willing to put their feet in the ground and say, I'll leave the church, and I'll leave anybody who don't believe what I believe. Even when you lay out the facts before him. So my question is, what will you do? Will you just ignore what has been said? Oh, or have we found ourselves in here today where we simply say, that's right. And I need to work on my head issues. I need to be able to see a black man. And, oh, can I, can, I, can I get one more thing, Pastor? Is that fine? Make you laugh, kind of, I guess. I hope it makes you laugh or makes you gasp, one of the two. I remember teaching this year in my classroom, and I asked my kids, I said, what do y'all see when y'all see me? They said, a white man. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Are you colorblind? I'm just wondering. There are the problems here. But you know what they were saying? I said, I wasn't offended because I, I let my kids really express themselves in my class because that's how you learn. You, you got to let them express, let them get it out, let them learn. And they said, because you're good, because you're nice, because you're funny and you dress well, because you're smart and you, you have an intelligent sentences, because black people don't do that. These are 6th and 7th graders. Where did they learn that from? At Northlake Christian School. They, they have to learn from someone. But they literally saw white. Not black. They didn't have to see black. I hope they see God. 
But I use that as an example to show you, like, it's time to start challenging some thoughts. Because even our children are thinking that an upstanding black man got to be white. I saw a scratch at my arm and everything. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my brothers and sisters, I do love you in the Lord. I promise you I do. I do. And this is not about separating people. This is about bringing us together. But I get, I'll, I'll make you a promise. I'm giving it back to Pastor Jeff. I'll make you a promise that I will continue to work on my head and heart issues because don't mean I'm like perfect because nobody's perfect in this matter. And I don't stand here as a completely perfect human being. That would be a lie. <laughs> but I am a kingdom of God in the individual. And when the truth of God comes forth, you just got to be like, yes, that's me, Lord, and I need to do better. And I'm going to intentionally and actively do that. There's a word that I love so much in the scripture that just simply says, repent. Turn from it towards God. God bless you. I love you in the Lord.